Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Hey, welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown, the podcast looking at the stats and XG of Celtic FC. On last week's show, we ended on a fairly bleak note that Celtic may struggle to get past St. Johnson, and sure enough, they didn't. Player fitness, player character, and lack of creativity again called into question by Neil Lennon after the game. There wasn't enough support for Eduard up front, he said. Call me crazy, but I think the five men in midfield, two of which are defenders, two of which were centre defence midfielders, and leaving the striker up front by himself might have something to do with why the striker looked like he was up front by himself. And maybe I'm alone in this, but I thought that it was part of the coach's job to actually get the players in shape in the first place. But what can you do but get on your Zoom meeting and have a little chat with the board about how you're going to carry on again next week. Jaco James and Alan Morrison are on the line with me as always. Guys, how are you doing? Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. So yeah, well as can be. Wish, as we, yeah, wish this was some good football news to cheer us up, but hey, we've we've had a glut over the last few years, I suppose. So uh, you know, uh, we'll get through rough, uh, rough the smooth. <laughs> we'll get through twenty twenty as twenty twenty was. So as I said last week, we finished the podcast. James, you especially were worried about the St. Johnson game, and sure enough, it ended in a one-one draw. Yeah, it's it's. Um... The formula to play against Celtic is pretty well known, I think, at this point. Um, so St. Johnston has, as I mentioned last week, has actually underperformed their underlying performance statistics. So uh, as, as I mentioned, they're kind of third in the XG table if you compare chance quality versus uh, chances uh, surrendered. And uh, I think most people wouldn't think that, obviously, given the – uh, where Hibbs and Aberdeen and the actual table. So, um, you know, the question always falls in is, is that due for mean regression or is maybe they just have a bad keeper, which seems to be the case. Their, their keeper play has been really poor this year. Um, and maybe some lack of finishing. Yeah, exactly. Not, not, not great uh, striker yeah. play. So that's part of it. Um, but, you know, as you kind of interplay that with Celtics, 
problems and, and chance creation, as I, I mentioned last week, that continues to be, in my mind, um, as important, if not more important than the issues we've had defensively, which have been egregious, obviously. Um, but a lot of that's been error rate rather than structural, um, you know, on top of, you know, some of the, <laughs> uh, the fullback issues that we've talked about. Um, so it was just more of the same. And I, if you, if you look at um, Edward, I actually looked at this yesterday. Uh, he, the number of touches, and Alan would know this better than anybody, the number of touches he's had in the box this year is down, I think, almost 50% or at least 40%. Um, so it's just starved uh, service and, and just complete lack of cohesion going forward. Um, and, you know, Lennon's talking about it. I, again, he clearly sees it. It's obvious. I mean, everyone has to see it. It's a question of, you know, banging your head against the wall, keep doing the same things and not really changing anything of substance in my mind to, to try and address it. Mm-hmm. Like playing, you know, two strikers in a two striker system would be a place to start for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think something we can maybe, sorry, uh, something we can maybe touch on in, in another one is, is that whole, you know, wide play. Because if you play the, if you play the five, the three, five, two, then obviously your wide creativity is going to come from those wide players. And if those, as, as we pointed out a couple of episodes ago, if those wide players are actually Frimpom and Laxal, as much as they're, entertaining to watch and in many respects uh, their their career creativity statistics are incredibly low and there's really not much evidence especially with like south east what 28 29 but that's really going to change and if you th- if you compare that to a celtic setup that for example has sinclair on one 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 side and forest on the other and you know you're looking at perhaps 40 goals there uh, to, to to a situation where your wide players are probably going to contribute five total. Then that's that's a huge hole to fill if you're going to play that system. Mm-hmm. So you know that, that I mean you know that 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 is, that, that he's, he's playing he's playing short of a deck on that one. But having said that, as you opened the show and uh, you know this is all you know, these are all Lennon's problems to solve. They're his team. Um, he's had a number of transfer windows. So what's he going, how's he going to fix it? Right. Yeah. And we broke down a lot of those stats, the uh, XG off our full by getting forward and their distribution into the box and previous podcasts. If you want to listen back to any of those podcasts, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere you want to find us, we're on it. And you can listen back to our breakdown of all the different positions that we've we've done the defender so far. We've done the wing backs. We've done Celtic compared to last year as well. That was last week's podcast. So if you want to get up to date on all that, you can go back and listen to those podcasts. Today we are talking about goalkeepers because one name that has kept creeping up in these podcasts over the last couple of weeks has been Fraser Forrester and how much we're missing Fraser Forrester. And I think that's evident when you look at the European games, when you're playing a subpar goalkeeper, that's when it really matters. So Alan, what key performance indicators are we looking at here when we're talking about goalkeepers? Yeah, I mean, actually, believe it or not, goalkeepers, you know, despite the fact, obviously, it's a unique uh, position on the field and they don't touch the ball very often. There's quite a lot of data you can collect on them. Uh, and I probably collect more data points on keepers than any other position, bizarrely. Um, so there's a few, but let's hit on some some key ones. So if if we were doing this on uh, on Sky Sports and they were gleefully um, enjoying the fact that Celtic are struggling and they were going to, they'd probably show you a chart that um, was something like, uh, you know, say basically save percentage. So off, off shots on target, 
how many are being saved. So what I've done is I've looked at really the last three seasons. So I just want to recap because you know, the goalkeeping journey has been a little bit convoluted over the last three seasons. So just to try and put this into context. In, in, 19, uh, in 1819, Gordon started off as the uh, number one goalkeeper. Um, he started to show what I believe would you would really call kind of natural age regression, similar to what we're seeing with Brown. His form deteriorated and Rogers brought in Bain. So Bain played most of the second half of the season. In fact, I think they played pretty much 50-50 across the season. Now, Gordon played all the European games and Bain didn't. So that, that's going to have a, a bit of an impact on the on the stats. But essentially, Bain had a tremendous uh, season that season. You know, he, he saved actually 85% of all shots on target, which is a phenomenal number. I mean, I think anything over sort of 70, 70 is decent. 85 is, is phenomenal. Um, and, you know, he, 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 but by other measures, though, he played pretty well and he kept his place, uh, even when Lennon came came back. Um, and so when we started the 1920 season, last season, uh, Bain was in the team. But remember, it was very obvious and made very obvious, uh, and that's something I'll touch on a bit later, that, that you know, Lennon was looking for num- another number one. And Bain had a terrible start to the season and his save percentage rate went down from 85% to, to 53. So he essentially was nearly letting in one in every two uh, shots that were on target. And so when Foster came in, and, and obviously we know that Foster had a great, a great season last season, especially in the key games. That safe, his safe percentage shot up to seventy six percent. And now, if we look at this season, you've got two goal, You've got Barkas being brought in as ostensibly as the number one for a lot of transfer money. So you'd think he, he's the main man. Uh, Bain nevertheless had to start the season because, as usual, we're waiting to get that business done. Uh, and 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 really, Barkas, uh, you know, he actually missed a game through injury, and then Bain was put in. And kept his place. But long story short, both of them have got, well, Barkas has got a save percentage of 52%, and uh, Bain's got a save percentage of 45%. And they're just, I mean, these are horrible numbers, right? But they don't tell you everything about goalkeeping performance. They really re- can, can actually reflect more about how the team's performing, in all honesty. Um, what we need to look at is the expected goals, because that really tells you, uh, you know, which saves should the goalkeeper have made, depending on the, on the shot quality. Yeah. So save percentage is interesting in the sense of, it, I, would, I would classify save percentage as the same as, let's call it possession and total shots. It tells you something, but it really doesn't give you a full story as to uh, whether actually somebody's performing well or not. It just gives you, it's just another piece of information that you can use to contextualize. Can I just hop on, hop in on that? Of course. Um, so for a team like Celtic and uh, they've been dominating for so long domestically, I know it will change for the European form, but for something like save percentage, because Celtic would be considered the dominant team in most of the domestic games bar one or two, you're only giving up a few chances. Therefore, your save percentage, you want that to be much higher than 50%. You want that in the range of 75 to 90%, surely. You, you do, but of course, that's not what's happened this season. So if we go on to, you know, what is the actual expected goals of the saves made? So really, you know, essentially what we're saying here is um, – how, how many how many expected goals worth of goals has the goalkeeper saved uh, per ninety minutes? And if you look at these stats, um, really what that shows is it, it, it accentuates the fact that probably Bain was keeping out. And again, again, Bain didn't play in the European games, the harder games, but Bain was keeping out around about a fraction of um, more shots than you might uh, than Gordon was over over uh, over ninety minutes. And then uh, under under Lennon, when uh, again I think it was the fact that. 
it was very obvious that Forster was going to be brought in. Bain, I think, uh, on that basis, is really a confidence player. And his, I think his confidence got shot and his, his uh, percentage of uh, ex- expected goal he was keeping out the net uh, really went down almost uh, over a goal, you know, almost a, a you know, a point, well, 0.15 goal a game, which is quite a big percentage drop, really. And then Forrester came in and performed much better than Bain, Go- Bain or Gordon had over the last two seasons in that regard. But if you look at this season, um, Bain actually has got a, is saving about 0.76 of a goal a game. But of course, why is that? Because he saved two penalties and we're looking at a very small sample. So those two, those two penalties have massively skewed that stat. So again, you sort of think, well, is this, what is this really telling me? Barkas is performing about the same as Gordon, or a regressing Gordon was um, you know, two seasons ago. But again, he's, as you, to your point, Ender, uh, he's, he's probably facing an awful lot more, uh, more shots and therefore he's probably you know, you know, uh, you know, keeping more out in that sense. So what does that all mean really? What, what, what I want to, to kind of conclude on on this one is 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 to con- to really compare actually the goals conceded versus the expected goals conceded. So again, without getting too complicated with goalkeepers, we look at what's called post shot expected goals. So this is really looking at the number that uh, of expected goal, which is 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 uh, which is the shot is actually obviously not being blocked. It's on target. Therefore, the goalkeeper has to either do something or, or let it in. So it's a slightly higher number than the expected goal when it leaves somebody's foot. Because when it leaves somebody's foot, all the factors like, oh, it could get blocked, it may, you know, it may go wide or whatever, are factored in. But once you know it's on target, then the expected goal level actually goes up. So with goalkeepers, we use that post-shot expected goal. And so comparing that to actual goals conceded, Again, very simply, if if if, if I if I, if Ender, you were the goalkeeper and you were the team was conceding a goal a game, and the expected goal said you should be conceding a goal a game, you're pretty much performing, you know, pretty pretty average really. But mm-hmm. you're, you're no you're no you're no worse than average, right? You're you're expected to concede a goal, and the stats say you're conceding a goal. So what does it say about the Celtic goalkeepers? Again, very clearly uh, in eighteen nineteen, you know, Bain deserved to, to keep his place because Gordon was letting in more goals than he was expected to, and Bain uh, would have been expected to, to concede point uh, six of a goal a game and was actually conceding point three seven. So that's pretty good, right? He's actually you can see he's adding value at this point. If you switch to um, last season, um, you know, Bain's numbers could basically flipped. But again, he seemed to be playing some of the, the harder games at the beginning of the season in Europe. And, he, and his uh, expected goals conceded was, was over one. It was like 1.13. Uh, one uh, sorry, one basically, but he's actually conceding 1.13. So when Forster came in, again, he flipped that. He was expected to concede, um, you know, uh, 0.9 basically goals per game and he actually conceded around about 0.7 so again you can see there's a significant um, and none of these are point point numbers but mm-hmm. if you add them up over a 50 game season that equates to you know a decent chunk of goals yeah exactly so, let, let, so let's flip to this season and fast and, and very interestingly uh, for both Barkas and Bain they're they're basically conceding roughly the number of goals that you'd expect them to based on the quality of the shots that they're facing Okay, so again with Bain, Bain has played in some of the more difficult games. I mean, and, and this is this is this is a reflection of where Celtic are. Celtic are being expected to concede um, two goals a game in the games that Bain is is uh, has played in, and he's actually conceded about one point nine three. So he's pretty much roughly on par with mm. what's expected. With Barkas, it's 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 the same. It's about point nine uh, either way now. 
What does that tell you? It tells you that the goalkeepers are performing roughly as expected. They're not overperforming like Foster was. Um, so, you know, you've got the issue here. You've got the sort of, let's call it the tyranny effect, where, you know, for Ball and Goalie, for Taylor, for Laxalt, um, their biggest problem is they're not Kieran Tierney. Kieran right? Tierney is a 25 to 30 million pound player who, who they are replacing. Uh, and guess what? <laughs> they're not as good as him. And similarly, you know, neither Barkas or, or Bain are, are, are probably as, as good as Foster was and are not as performing um, as well. But actually, are they performing to such an extent that you're going to keep dropping them and further eroding their confidence? No, yeah. no, you're not. And actually... Is is the reason that Celtic are conceding goals because of um, you know flagrant goalkeeping errors? No, no, it's not. The reason is is because of the volume and the quality of the chances that the team are giving up uh, to, to the, that the goalkeeper then has to deal with. The goalkeeper is the last line of defence. As we showed last week, the opposition are getting more chances and they're getting better quality chances and they're finishing them. Yeah, and where so, that really comes in is the European games because Celtic are a squad that come from. Uh, country and a league that has a lower deficient rate uh, than the rest of the clubs that they're coming up against like in Italy and Germany and England so you need your players to be overperforming to their XG to do anything in it. James I'm going to bring you in here because I know that you really uh, have hammered home the impact that Fraser Forster had on Celtic in the European games especially last season so what are, what are your thoughts here? Yeah so I, I had um uh, a couple of points just to add to Alan's comments. Um, uh, the first is I, I, and again, this is just to clarify. And I only know this, Alan, because I just looked at it yesterday. So this is not uh, me calling you out on anything. <laughs> but I, I believe Bain played in the Valencia games. Um, I was surprised. I didn't remember that having happened. No, um, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that, probably that, forgot, I've probably forgotten. I didn't right. look at the games individually. I was looking at the season stats. But yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think that that was the only European games he played. And you're right because he, he had taken over, and that was after the, yeah. the winter break. Obviously, the only other thing relative to Bain is I, I believe, and again, ref, ref, I, I might be wrong here, but I believe he got hurt in the summer before, uh, kind of before the Cluj game. And then he he ultimately um, uh, w- was not even in the squad for a period of time after Forster came in because of that injury. So I, I I don't I think there's a possibility he was playing injured, which obviously could contribute to how horrible he was um, during that stretch in in the qualifier. So again, I, I just want to add that as, as kind of a context uh, relative to Forster. So the argument that I've been making really for a year now is that if if you um, if you take last year's campaign and kind of do it excluding Forster's value added, it would have been a very different um, assessment of the season in my judgment. We, we would have lost the cup final, uh, so we wouldn't have had the trouble. We would have lost a, a, a final with Rangers. Um, and we very unlikely would have won the group and possibly could have finished even third uh, in, in the Europa League group. Uh, if you look at Forster's performances in those five um, group stage games, he, he didn't play in the kind of the dead rubber match against Cluj, the last um, two nil loss at, at Cluj. But if you look at the other five games, his performances were, were exceptional. And I think that's, you know, one, one of the things I try to do is I look at averages, but then I try to decompose kind of the sequencing and the variance of how performances unfold. Uh, so if you look at Forster's data for last season, it, it was exceptional, but he had a really bad game against Copenhagen in, in the 3-1 three, three loss. 
Um, and the, the three chances that he let in, I think, are probably the areas that he's weakest in, kind of coming out off the line, trying to stop low shots. To me, that, again, that's just anecdotal. That seems to be an issue that he had had. Um, uh, whereas in those five group stage games, he, he was just unbelievable. I mean, he, he um, uh, and I, I think we'll sh- show some of these charts on, on YouTube, but I, I did basically historical distributions on Barkas, um, on uh, Forster, and then I threw in David Marshall just as a comparison because I think there's some yearning for Marshall now in some quarters uh, and even some talk that he may have been a preferred uh, keeper by uh, somebody in Celtic maybe, let's say, uh, over Barkas. And um, so if you look at the distribution of performances over the last five years for these keepers, Forster has clearly shown the ability to put off what I'll call game winning performances, kind of uh, as Alan talked about, uh, 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 goals against a post shot XG versus goals conceded where he saved, let's say, one and a half or more goals in a single game. That happened over 10% of the time in his performances dating back to 1516, which is you know, Barkas has only done that in 4% of his performances. Marshall's done it in over 8%. So he's kind of in between. The problem, that if you look at the other side of the distribution, which is, you know, horrible performances where you're, you know, the, maybe the keeper has a really bad day and, you know, lets in a lot of goals that maybe he shouldn't have. Um, uh, Forster also has a little more volatility there. Uh, now he, again, was facing higher competition in the Premier League. So, you know, there's some... some um, factors that need to be accounted for there uh the thing with marshall is he was he's his is more than double the rate of of barkas so barkas has been a consistent keeper in his career he hasn't shown that upside that i've talked about and and that game winning uh performances and two of forsters i believe two of his seven uh just world beating performances since 15 16 were last season uh, one was in the cup final where I think he outperformed his, the XG against him. Seven saves, I think, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was well over one and a half in, yeah. in, in the XG that he outperformed. Uh, and the other one was in Lazio away. Um, I so, think that's what, what we would call that as a clutch player, essentially. And it comes across because people remember Forrester for the – the Barcelona game, for example, we've referenced that a couple of times. Uh, in layman's terms, what we're essentially saying here is that Forrester has that in him. Barkas would not have saved all the shots that uh, Forrester saved in the Barcelona game because he doesn't or hasn't done that previously and hasn't shown it across his career that he has that ability to outperform his XG. Yeah, I, I, it has, it's not that it can't happen or it won't happen. Again, I haven't done uh, – I don't have access to data. I mean, I don't run regressions on development curves from keepers from twenty, age 20 up through. I mean, this is the kind of sophisticated modeling that can happen or should be happening at clubs uh, to look at whether that's something that tends to be innate early and displayed early or is that a skill that can be acquired over time. But, yeah, it's funny. I mean, Marshall's performance against the Czech Republic for Scotland, for example, that the distributions I created included all senior matches because I wanted to get at the biggest sample as possible um and that's one of his worldly games in his you know and he has you know about two percent fewer than Forster uh was that recent performance against the Czech Republic so I, I think um if you look at the you know the the let's call it the legend of Lenin in, in Europe uh Forster has a big part in that and um 
you know, if you're, if you're running a, a style of uh, play that's a little bit more chaotic, less controlled, more direct, um, it helps to have a keeper at the back that's going to cover up for some of that if you have some rough games. And, and that certainly uh, took place on, 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 to a significant degree of Forster last year. And I think that's part of the problem now is we don't have that security blanket at the back uh, to bail out the team when some of that chaos breaks against us. Um, and, and that's, in my judgment, a, a big differentiator. If you, if you look at the, the European campaigns under Rodgers, for example, and, and I, I just want to uh, touch upon something. I, I think there's an easy way to kind of conceptualize this statistically. You know, if you think about uh, the number of goals that are scored, you can kind of break that down into th- three components that Alan talked about. You know, there's, there's kind of the, uh, the XG, which is the quality of the chance before the player shoots that Alan talked about. Um, there's the skill of the shooter, kind of the finishing component, which is where do they put it on goal? Are they a good shooter? Uh, and then this, the last piece is the, the keeper skill components so you think of those kind of the three components of the difference between you know kind of xg and and then the actual goal scored and what we see if what i see if i break out the, that data is under the rogers period you know we faced teams that were really good in the champions league you know guys like cavani and neymar and messi um so a big chunk of you know let's say that seven nil barcelona game uh, Rogers' first group stage game was actually finishing. I mean, the XG was around three, so the pre-shot XG was around three. Uh, the, the post-shot was around five, so that was pretty good. And then Gordon didn't have a great day, and two of that, the other two, you know, so kind of three was chance creation, uh, two was finishing, and two was Gordon not having a great day. So that's kind of how I conceptualize this. And if you, if you think about that through the Rodgers campaigns, that was consistent in, in the Champions League um, where, where that we faced teams that were finishing well. Keepers were maybe not quite up to that level. But the underlying chance creation that we surrendered under Rodgers was not bad, even in the Champions League. Like even the 7-1 against uh, PSG, XG was just above two. Um, so again, if you flip that and if you look at, you know, recent campaigns under Lennon, um, we've had that benefit last season of Forster, which basically he's the only keeper in that period of time that had outperformed their post-shot XG. So Bain didn't in Europe, Gordon didn't. In fact, they surrendered a little bit more, you know, in, in, in goals or in Gordon's case, particularly in, uh, 18, 19, a lot more, uh, or even in 17, 18 as well in Champions League. And so that, that's a big difference. And that's a matter of the level of the keepers Alan talked about. But I mean, he's just a, a better keeper. He's shown that ability. And at that level, when you're facing uh, sharpshooters, let's say, or better, mm-hmm. better finishers, uh, and then you're getting teams that are carving us open more and, and we're having the chaos in front, it's a, it's a, you know, it makes sense when you decompose things in that way that we're suffering these problems. And, and I think the, the big thing to, to draw from all this is that it's not the keeper's fault to the degree probably that most, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people are kind of drawing that conclusion. And, you know, quite frankly, with the problems that we're having, Forster would probably make things better if we brought him in on a loan. But 
it, you know, papering over cracks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And maybe we lose three one to Sparta instead of four one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not enough. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you just think about the goals that we conceded in that game from inside the six yard box. I mean, you don't care whether you're Foster, you Barkas, or you Bing. You're not saving those, right? Because structurally, the whole defense is disintegrated in front of you. You're not going to save them. Right. I mean, so so listen, James. The point that you, all the points you made are excellent. There's no doubt Forster's been an, an elite level keeper for Celtic, right? So you're Neil Lennon, right? And yet I'm sure you wanted to get Forster in uh, this season. You've not got him. You've spent a lot of money on a goalkeeper. Surely to God you make it work. Surely to God you fill the guy with confidence. Surely to God you say, look, you're my number one. You are the man, right? We're all behind you. You know, you're going to take time to settle in. You're going to maybe make some mistakes. We're going to play a bit more open this season. So, you know, that's not on you. Surely you would kind of give the guy confidence rather than end up with, with, with the situation that we're in, where we've got two goalkeepers whose confidence is short, A, because of what they've seen before them, and B, because neither of them feels that they've got the backing of the manager, or so it seems to me anyway. So whether F- Foster's great or not, you can you still do your best to remedy that situation because you've just got to accept you've not got Foster. Well, yeah. and, to, and to build, and this has been, you know, my, my word of the season, incoherent. So it's, it's building a s- style of play and a system that uh, is practical and reasonable within the context of the strengths and weaknesses of your players. So, uh, you know, we brought in a keeper like Barkas, which, uh, you know, the, the scouting reports I, I've read ahead of time. And, you know, for example, I, uh, uh, the cynic, Christian Wolf. And Stephen Russell, I'm, I'm a patron, patron there, and they put out a really good report on Barkas back over the summer that has proven to be pretty accurate in strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, one of his big strengths is, is ball playing. Well, I, I don't know how that makes sense because it, that's also one of the things that Payne, you know, excelled at under Rodgers. And then when we replaced Barkas with Bain, all of a sudden we're kicking the ball long. And we had Duffy in the middle, so we're not clear, clearly with Bain, you know that mix of Bain kicking long and Duffy playing in the center of a three. The priority wasn't playing out from the back. Well, then what the hell were we doing ever bringing a guy like Barkas in, where one of his big strengths is is uh, is playing out from the back? And I, he's been terrific in that sense. I mean, I I think you know he's made some dubious mistakes, uh, but that happens. I mean, generally his throwing and I think his distribution has been pretty good. Ninety percent. It's just his pass completion rate is ninety percent, which for a goalkeeper is astonishing because yeah. there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of long goal kicks in there. That's all. That's all passes. That's open play and set play. To put that into context, Forster's pass completion was uh, below seventy percent. In yeah. fact, um, you know, uh, Gordon had, when he was trying really hard, Bain, Bain in his good season got around about seventy five percent. But to Barkas, ninety percent pass completion. That's exceptional. But like you say, he's just, he's just the wrong. He's, he's playing in the wrong team in that sense. Yeah, and that, that's um, the other thing that uh, Christian Wolf and Stephen Russell pointed out, which I think has proven out to be fairly true, is um, some issues with footwork and long distance shooting. Uh, we certainly saw that on the free kick against um, uh, against Milan. And I also noticed that just anecdotally. I mean, that's the other thing, going back to distributions and, and sequencing. So overall, uh, Barca, but he had a really good game against Ross County uh, where it was close to one and a half in, in expected post-shot XG where he didn't concede any goals or we didn't, you know, Celtic didn't concede any goals. And his two performances against Milan are actually, if you look at, 
his horrible performances his whole career so far um you know there's four of them <laughs> and two of them were against Milan in the last six weeks um at Celtic so if you think about you know recency bias anchoring you know it's understandable why a lot of the support are saying this guy's not up to snuff um but again I, I just I, I didn't understand the dropping either. I didn't understand why we're bringing Bade in to kick long when he's not particularly good at that, it seems. Hmm. Um, it, it just, uh, again, back to this issue of coherence, and I don't understand a lot of the decisions we make relative to players, systems, strengths, weaknesses. Um, and, and this is just another example. And yeah, and that's essentially become the theme of this, the huddle breakdown over the last couple of years is that, or a couple of weeks is that um, <laughs> it's just, like years it, it feels like years. It, honestly, <laughs> honestly, the last three weeks has felt like three seasons all packed into one. Even for a general SPFL season, it just seems absolutely mental what's been going on over the last couple of weeks. But um, yeah, so it, it basically ties into everything that we've been saying is that the players that we brought in and the system that we're playing, none of it matches together correctly in order for these players to play their their best and be confident because confidence is something that Neil Lennon has brought up time and time again over the last couple of weeks. And it does tie into the performances because if your goalkeeper isn't confident in what the defender is going to do, then he's going to be a little bit more edgy and uh, a little bit nervous going into the games and likewise with the defenders if they don't have confidence in their goalkeeper that if they make a mistake that the goalkeeper is going to save that then they'll start to overcompensate for him as well so it all it all ties together and it all has led to what is essentially the worst period of Celtics performances over the last 10-15 years maybe even 20 years so Hopefully we get some performances over the next couple of weeks. One thing that you can say is that every single bit of reporting coming out of Celtic at the minute is that the players are behind Neil Lennon. So what does changing him do and will that make a difference? It's hard to know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully Neil Lennon can get the players fit, first of all, if they're not fit. And secondly, hopefully they can he can start getting some coherence into that side. But we are right out of time for this week on the Huddle Breakdown. Thanks to everyone who listened so far. And if you have subscribed, thank you. If you haven't, just hit the subscribe button below on YouTube or on Spotify, wherever you're listening, and you'll get notified every time there's a new Huddle Breakdown going up as well. Alan, James, thanks again. Thanks, Andrew. We'll chat to you next week.
USA is training hard and ready for the Olympic Games. And so is Jacob. Woo! I've got my lucky shirt and Xfinity Flex. Oh, yeah. Jacob's family got Xfinity Internet with the best Wi-Fi for their home and a Flex 4K streaming box free, plus Peacock Premium included. So Jacob is ready for anything. Go Team USA! With medal ceremonies, highlights, interviews, and more, plus all his favorite streaming apps in one place. Can your internet do that? Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Peacock subscription required. Xfinity, proud partner of Team USA. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.